Hello and welcome to the TOVG podcast. My name is George Weedman. My friend's name is Jimmy B. And we've got a special guest on this week. It is Waz from Yacht Club Games, the uh, resident <laughs> the resident artist over there. And you have had a pivotal influence on the creation of one of our new favorite games, which is Shovel Knight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do the pixel art for the game. So there's it's a pretty small team. There's about... Um, there's about like half a dozen of us, and mm-hmm. since that's a small team, I'm able to take on a huge portion of the workload. So I'm able to do like all the pixel art for the game. Wow! <laughs> well, most and of it and anyway. so, yeah, is is all of it you, or did some of it come from anywhere else? Well, we also have like yeah, Sean and Aaron did some, but also um, we have an intern that, during the production of, of Shovel Knight. We had an intern that was doing some stuff, and like he did the the backgrounds for the Tropical King and. Um, we also had a couple friends do some stuff. You know, the the dancing girl, the the broccoli headed dancing dancing oh, right, girl. Right. Or she was a a very generous gift of a friend of ours. So, um, but the rest of it is is mostly me. <laughs> well, it's great. It looks wonderful. I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but I really like the art of uh, of Shovel Knight. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, no, we all just really love the game in general. It's been reviewed very well. People people seem to be enjoy it. And um, mm-hmm. how is that translated into sales though? I saw David's um, post mortem on Game mm-hmm. of Sutra yesterday, and he seemed rather optimistic about it. I think uh, he reported a hundred and seventy five thousand in the first month. Yeah, just about. I mean, it, it was way more than what I thought. <laughs> like, I, I, mean, I had no idea it was going to get that huge. Uh, what were you guys expecting? Um, I don't know, less than that. Uh, probably, like, <laughs> I, I was, like, outside of it was, like, 150 would have been nice for the first month. But, um, yeah, 180 was great. And I think that all of that is all guessing. <laughs> so there's never really a, a solid, like, this is what you're going to make and this is, like, right. why. But, um yeah, we've been really happy, and overall, just like the reception, just critically and just from people, has been more positive than I ever thought possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people saying like really personal stories about how this like helps them connect with their ten-year-old son and stuff, and or yeah. things like you know, you restored my faith in video games, and, and as <laughs> hyperbolic as it is, it's been just being repeated more than one time, so it's or multiple times, so it's been really, really interesting. Yeah, I can imagine that would be that would be pretty crazy. Yeah. I love that that you mentioned connecting with um, your ten year old because I imagine a lot of people who are old enough to have ten year olds now were playing games like Shovel Knight when they were ten years old. Right. Yeah. So you that's kinda have, that's like, what they've been telling us. It's like you know, I played these games cycle. as a kid. Yeah, exactly. It's the cycle of like I played these games as a kid. I you know I, I grew up playing Mario three, and now I want to teach my kid how to play you know real games or whatever. And <laughs> so we get that a lot. Um, and Shovel Knight's a cool tool for that, and it's. Uh, overall been really great yeah i I wonder uh i'm assuming like the fact that it's available on nintendo consoles also has probably like partially to do with that right because these people again these people who are old enough to have 10 year olds now probably you know maybe have a wii u or a 3ds that they bought for their kid and since shovel knight's available on that which is not you know usual for a lot of indie games I guess that probably kind of translates into that being a more commonplace thing. Yeah, there's definitely a common like, or there is a like a thread that a lot of people have gone through of of game consoles in their life where they started with the NES and then to the Super NES and then to uh, you know Nintendo 64 and then right. uh, and all the way through. So like we like Nintendo has has taken up a whole generation and, and kind of like you know brought them under their wing. So I can definitely see that happening, and and we've you know we've heard as much. Um, mm-hmm. Of people saying how you know, I, I wish that or you know I, my kid can only play NES games 
and um, mm-hmm. you know that way you know he, he learns right but <laughs> like he'll, you know, he'll let him play Shovel Knight on, on Wii U or even on Steam sometimes so it's it's yeah it's been pretty cool yeah, that's some pretty high praise. I, I'm, I imagine that's that's pretty crazy to hear. <laughs> and one thing I really like noticing when I was reading um, David's postmortem was about a third of the people who kickstarted it were um, like reserving it for playing on Nintendo consoles. But once it was out for a month, about half of the sales jumped up to encompass the Nintendo consoles. Mm-hmm. Right, and right. Y- you don't usually associate indie games with Nintendo because they're kind of well. I, they've tried to open up this year about it, but they're usually not exactly that much of an open platform and I assume it's mm-hmm. more expensive to um, license and develop for Nintendo consoles than PCs and I guess is this one example where that um, investment has kind of paid off for itself? Yeah I think so I think this um, you know having people seeing that that chart comparison of you know most people were like in, for, in it for Steam and then kind of jumped to the Nintendo when, when sales were happening I think that also has a lot to do with uh, just the marketing and Nintendo did a really good job of um, taking care of us and putting us on you know really good placement on their marketplaces and on their website mm-hmm. and stuff and so you see a lot of um, a lot of coverage coverage of Shovel Knight by Nintendo itself um, right so that resulted probably in a lot of sales, but also just it, it feels NES and it, and it has that really strong message. And so when you look at it, you assume either that like it's an NES or that we're emulating somehow. But um, you know, it has that that feel. And I think that's that's really what helped carry that. But also during the time of the Kickstarter, I think that the 3DS was wasn't as strong and the Wii mm-hmm. wasn't as strong as well. So like a lot of people just didn't have the systems, you know. Oh, that's um, right. That's true. Oh, yeah, but during development, cause... people were buying. Um, Animal Crossing and Monster Hunter and, and Pokemon. And Pokemon, yeah, it's a huge one. Um, and then very recently, a bunch of people bought um, Mario Kart 8. You know, that sold oh, of two million copies. So um, a lot of people just have those Nintendo consoles on hand all of a sudden. And as a result, I think we've gotten a huge boost for Nintendo just because there's more people. That's just the, the life of the console. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I can't even. I can't imagine why that didn't even cross my mind that uh, that you know a year, a year and a half ago, the the Wii U was doing horribly and the 3DS even wasn't very prominent. Yeah, but it was growing, but it was like that was that was a, a very gradual thing, and then it got right. really popular and really huge with you know with, with Animal Crossing, like I mentioned, but uh, mm-hmm. and and you know uh, Fire Emblem, but um, that that all took a lot of time. Yeah, I, it just feels like ages since like like Pokemon X and Y came yep. out. I, I feel like I've just always owned that on the 3DS. <laughs> so, what are some of what were some of the benefits of crowdfunding Shovel Knight, and also the um, drawbacks? So yeah, when we we started crowdfunding the game, it was on Kickstarter, as you know, and so mm-hmm. we um, we had never done something like that before. Kickstarter was basically a pitch. It's basically a uh, this is what the game is, and this is what we think it could be, and this is like, you know, a, a basic outline of what the game, like the skeleton of the game, could look like. And mm-hmm. usually, you, you do one of those for a publisher or for a like we, in, in the past that was what we, we are used to, where you give that to a publisher or a, you know a license holder of some sort, and they tell you if that game can be made. But this was like we're giving it to people. You know, the audience is aware of it from almost day one. I mean, we, the initial conception was in January. And our Kickstarter started in March, so it's like three months of of really just setting things up. And um, for the most part, the gameplay was you know every, everything that you saw during that time in the Kickstarter was was what we had done. And so, and then that encompassed all of what we had done. So, uh, 
yeah, like that. That's a very strange process of just like bringing in everybody in the public, um, mm-hmm. in the public eye on the very, very pre-production of the game. Um, and that was that was hard because what we did is we had to we had to figure out a way to be vague but promise a lot and not overpromise. You know, like get right, it enticing right, yeah. and exciting and get people involved and able to relate to it without like way overblowing our promises. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's um, one thing I actually actively try to do. If I back something on Kickstarter, like after that initial backing, I will not read anything until it's out just because I'm so afraid of, of spoiling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, if you had watched a bunch of the design hangouts or if, it, if you had watched any of the, the live pixel streams that we did, you would have seen a lot of spoilers because, <laughs> because we just animated everything. I didn't I didn't show off um, when I was animating the last boss or like the last area of the game. So that was a secret all the way up until the end or the village, actually. Mm. So that was a secret all the way up until launch for everybody. So, so one thing um, everyone also really loves is the music for Shovel Knight as well. That that delicious yeah, Jake Kaufman music. But there's also, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm probably going to horribly pronounce it, but Manami Matsume, one of the original <laughs> yes, composers. Yeah, one of the original composers of Mega Man was also doing music as well. And how, like that blows my mind. How did you guys have connections with someone who was on the original <laughs> Mega Man team, like back in the eighties? Well, we didn't. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, Jake Kaufman did the, the soundtrack, and then Minami contributed uh, two tracks. She did uh, mm-hmm. Plague Knight's theme and Treasure Knight's theme. And, oh wow! Um, those were. Yeah, they came out really great, right? <laughs> I like, like, really like them a lot. Um, yeah. The connection there was really random. Um, the guy that she was working with, he uh, like a record label called Brave Wave. They were making okay. a, mm-hmm. uh, an album at the time, and she had contributed a bunch of tracks for it, uh, as well as a bunch of other uh, Japanese chiptune artists from the 80s and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And after, as that was wrapping up, he got in contact with us as our Kickstarter was happening. And I was like, hey, I want to support you guys, but I want to do it in a more... Uh, unique way and so he put us in, in contact with her and sort of arranged the the thing to happen and so that was wow. a, really a testament to uh, Brave Waves just like getting on our case about it and it was really so cool. they they found you yes they came to us and and we thought hey this is a scam <laughs> like there's no way this is real <laughs> um, because it was like hey I'm I have the connections to this you know legendary composer that you've talked about in whispers and in the hallways at, at work in the past and it's like yeah right, right you're a liar <laughs> but no like he's he's uh, Muhammad Tahir is the guy's name and he's a great guy he's really funny and and uh, very like. Yeah, easy person to work with, and um, that was really surprising to happen. We had no, we had no expectation of that, and that happened like two wow. or three weeks into the Kickstarter. That's so, crazy. Yeah, that was cool. We had, we had, there was a bunch of emails back and forth, and eventually, um, uh, Minami sent a like a selfie that said like, uh-huh. like "Let's get shoveling <laughs> underneath it" and stuff. So <laughs> like that, that's when we knew it was her. That's fantastic. <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, just like a quick question. How did that process work? Because did she like, did you guys send her like a build of the levels or did she just kind of blindly compose to like images or something? Well, um, the process started with a like a booklet of of the game at that point. Mm-hmm. And so when, when at, the, at that point, we knew what the level was going to be. We, like, we knew it was going to be an underwater mm-hmm. stage and, a, and a, like a sciencey, scary, you know, Right, like mm-hmm. I don't know, like we we, we were calling it okay. uh, like a plague lab or something uh, before, uh-huh. and and so we like had this idea of what it could be, 
and we bundled that up and, and put some images together, some key art, some designs for the characters, and sent that off. And then from that, she was able to create sort of a sketch of what the song could be. And so mm-hmm. then there's like some back and forth. Like she didn't speak English or she didn't speak English enough to to do it and, and communicate comfortably. And so we sort of had a translator go in between. Um, and so that process was, was actually pretty pretty good because uh, you know the common language of music was <laughs> was pretty universal. And so um, Jake was able to work with her stuff, and and there was a lot of back and forth, and and eventually it very smoothly became what we have now. Wow. And uh, just a quick follow-up. So she made the two tracks for the levels themselves, and I'm assuming yes. off of those, uh, Jake like composed the boss themes for those, which obviously like they draw inspiration from the original tracks. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Assuming that's how it went. So yeah, he really cool. He also, um, he kind of also worked to get those the tracks more in line with the rest of the tracks because mm-hmm. if you notice, those tracks are are, are a little slower. They're, they're a little more driving in their beat and more simple in their interaction, which is like. Which I think is awesome. Like I, I really right. like the style of what she's able to do and, and able to like almost tone down. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But Jake's style is, is, is like crazy, and there's there's <laughs> things happening all at once, and so he kind of had to to work with them a little bit to get them more in line. Um, mm-hmm. And overall, that and that was a back and forth process as well. Uh huh. That's cr- wow. That's like, just like crazy. Um, I can barely hear. I'm sorry. Um, is there like a cult of Jake Kaufman's self-insertion in the game? Because I have a feeling that the Bard, he kind of speaks in in the first person about prior experiences, yeah. and like like Jake Kaufman music is literally notes of currency in the game. Yeah, like there's less yeah. abstraction to converting rocks and gems into money than there is Jake Kaufman sheet music. <laughs> it's definitely the case. Uh, Jake wrote all the part stuff just straight out like we, we he also he helped us that. write the other stuff we we he is a you know a good friend of ours and he's also really uh-huh. able to be verbose and also concise with what he's saying and so uh, right. we we worked all together to make the the whole script of shovel knight but for the, the the bard himself jake wrote all that just you know from his, his own head oh, that's why it's like <laughs> silly and impersonalized but also like sometimes a little weirdly technical like it's right uh, mm-hmm. yeah he's definitely the bard <laughs> that's fantastic yeah like uh, he was talking about finding instruments to manipulate the sounds of crickets and i was like a yeah. bard wouldn't say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> That ma- that makes me wonder. Um, I've actually always wondered this since I started the game. I've been, I'm a big guy with like play play on word jokes and puns. <laughs> yeah. Where d- was the frog? The pun frog in the first town was he just like? Uh, in my head, I have this image of like the yacht club guys. Like you guys are all working at your desks or whatnot, and then one guy's just like, ah, I have it. And then you walk over to like a thing and you write down a pun, and that just like eventually becomes the frog at the end <laughs> of the thing. Yeah, you have, like a book of them. A couple of them are like that. Um, the frog is sort of him. Himself, like the croaker is like that himself um and, croaker. you know we uh we had some ideas for puns but uh it, it, it took a session of just sitting down and just throwing back and forth <laughs> the most horrible puns it's hard to figure oh my out gosh. like medievally yeah. appropriate <laughs> uh puns uh, yeah yeah so that was that was a task <laughs> Like, I, you know, I, I had my image in my head of how it went, but I like the fact that you guys actually had like 
a full-blown meeting where you all sat down to think of puns. That's even better. That's like twice as good. And the the, the head shake he does. Oh, like, yes. <laughs> if you drew that, you were responsible for like making me get up out of my chair and just like laugh. A little <laughs> croak. Yeah, like he just he just looks away and shakes his head and like oh, the most totally, perfect yeah. delayed reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the that's the other one. That's in the, he's the, Toter is the one in the when, second. When you're saying the puns, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, actually, that that kind of segues nicely into this. I wanted to, uh, you you worked on all the pixel art yeah. in the game. Did you also work on the design of the characters, or was that? Uh, were you like part of the design process of like building the characters from the ground up visually? So, so the majority of the ground up and foundation work was Aaron. Um, she does uh-huh. the. She does all the concept art and the high res art, and she also does, um, you know, like website banner stuff. Like she does a bunch of that mm-hmm. kind of art. Uh, but once she did a sketch, basically went from her. She did a sketch based on the idea that was written in the GDD, or based on the uh, brainstorming session that we had. And uh-huh. from there, she would create the the picture of what this guy looks like, and then I would mm-hmm. take it and do a pixel from the sketch. And from there, either if it was a big character, like like a knight. From after the pixels was were agreed upon and like you know talked about and stuff, then we would make a um, high res illustration. So that's right. that's sort of like the process of how that that came about. But yeah, that's most of those drawings are uh, or the characters are are originally Aaron's little uh, concepts. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> was there anything like during that design process? Was there anything you guys were particularly trying to avoid? Because I know there's a lot of easy tropes to fall into mm-hmm. when it comes to like medieval style, like stylization. Yeah. But it seems like a lot of the characters, um, like whether it be Shovel Knight, the Black Knight, or anybody from the Order of No Quarter, they they seem to like they have their references to things that have been done before, but they're all very unique in style. Like when when it all comes down to yeah, it. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. Was there any like deliberate? avoidance of, of tropes or what you know i don't know yeah a little bit we wanted to avoid from at all making the characters seem um scary or like too badass they needed to be more cute and, and cuddly um, for the most part uh-huh. and if, if there was ever like never a gross you know there's never a creature that's just like i, I, I don't know like like gross to look at or just like you don't want to touch right. it um, like unpleasant. Yeah, like like we, you could make a plushie out of all the characters in Shovel Knight, <laughs> and that was that was sort of intentional um, on, on Aaron's part. So it mm. was that was that was definitely you know a thrust of the design process the whole way. And um, yeah, I think there was also just avoiding any characters that seemed too referential. The hardest one, I think, that uh, from what I could tell was treasure knight you know like making him not right. a big daddy <laughs> yeah uh, yeah <laughs> because i mean it's, it's hard because he's just a like a big daddy and treasure knight are just guys in a nautical suit so like it's you, you can't just like lay claim i guess you can just lay claim on, on a nautical suit but <laughs> yeah I, yeah cause, like i get just, that because they're both they're both referencing the exact same thing exactly. which is that like old school style like diving suit yep. but the big daddy's so famous that it, it just kind of permeates that whole theme and that that kind of sucks that that (laughs) something that was actually like a fairly ordinary common cliche character is now a big daddy and nothing else yeah yeah Yeah. i mean Um, it's all right i think we found a a cool niche for him where he's sort of like um he's got the the rocketeer kind of jacket and he's also got the the whole cannon arm and and yeah he seems I, I, i don't know like in profile i think he seems uh 
unique enough that he stands out from the big daddy. Right, so, you definitely oh. achieved not making him a big daddy and making him his own thing. It, it works really well. I really want to know um, some of the nitty gritty behind the design process for the backer bosses, like um, like Baz, for example. Right, right. So, he, oh, uh, sorry. Well, no, I was just gonna watch into it, but what, were you gonna ask uh, more to that? Well, okay, like he has origins as a um, rejected Street Fighter Two concept yes, character. Yes. So it's like, who really owns the rights to the Baz now? Because he was also in Dive Kick, and um, <laughs> I don't know if he's popped up in in any other things. I think he's in the background of a Skullgirls stage. Yeah, he's also <laughs> in a game um, Kaiju Combat. I think that was a Kickstarter that I don't know if it's out yet, but. He's going to be in there, too. Um, oh, so, wow. so how, how do people get away with that, though, if he's, like, originally a Capcom <laughs> because he's creation? Because he's not Zubaz. <laughs> oh, okay. He's the Baz. <laughs> um, and I think... Uh, I'm, I'm not totally sure on all the logistics of it, but I think the the guys that, made, that sort of adopted him are the two best friends play mm-hmm. um, channel on YouTube, or mm-hmm. the super best friends, I guess. I'm not sure. They, they, uh, they sort of adopted him into their lore... And they're uh-huh. actually the ones that donated to that that tier, and so they, they oh, donated a thousand dollars of the game to put Baz in the game, and we worked with them to get him <laughs> his look. And yeah, like it's it's Baz. He's never referred to as like Zubaz or because Zubaz are also a um, a brand of pants from the '80s that are really, like, <laughs> really crazy loud, <laughs> and they're really popular. Nothing, by, uh, nothing is original like, anymore. Wrestlers, the Road Warriors, and stuff. So right. um, <laughs> yeah, so we call them Baz. And uh, yeah, like the design for that, for all those guys, came about as, you know, pretty close to how we pitched it in the Kickstarter, where, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we worked with them to get the original gameplay ideas, and then we worked with them and kind of carry them through that same process that we had, where it's gameplay ideas, and then a sketch, and then the sketch is refined, and then we get to pixels, and then the pixels are refined, and then that becomes... um, all brought back into the big illustration but on top of that right. there's also the gameplay that comes out and and the gameplay was also talked about with them and how um you want they wanted the character to move and what he should do and so every every director for a day is what we called them got to sit down with us and and either over skype or over uh you know hangouts or some some of them came into the office and talked with us about like exactly what they were looking at and what they're thinking of and so it was a mm-hmm. big collaborative process and it was pretty fun that's awesome. Yeah, so, I, I I love those uh those unique the um overworld bosses, especially I cannot remember his name for the life of me right now, but he's the the fencer yeah. who has like like lightning powers. Yeah, and everything. he's he's been called I, many names, and I think the one that goes into the game <laughs> is the Phantom Striker. But the Phantom Striker throughout the whole process, we were calling him um Bolt, which was short for Lightning Rodney Danger Bolt. Um, <laughs> just because like we didn't have a name and so we were thinking of like stupid things to call him um, and uh, that, that was uh, just like the production name basically and so right. uh, we, we, were, we were like we were trying to figure out a name for him and, and the guy we were working with named Steven Ness was uh, he's like oh yeah like Phantom Striker sounds cool because that's like the, sort of his personality he's sort of like a uh-huh. you know a guy that, that appears out of nowhere and and he's a combat-focused guy, so yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I like, is, I like writing just... Lightning Rodney Dangerbolt. <laughs> <laughs> is Phantom Striker from anything? Because I remember, I, I looked it up, and Rise is from Valdis Story, and mm-hmm. um, Baz is from the Zubaz, but are, like, Hatman and Phantom Striker, I couldn't find anything on them. Are they also uh, kind of like a little referential Yeah. No, not at all, actually. Those characters were made for the director for a day. 
uh, exercise. Mm, cool. So, uh, Mr. Hat is um, is that character is actually based sort of like a little bit on um, that guy's name is Alex uh, Alex's dad, but also like his, his own personal love for hats. And so, so he's based on Alex's dad, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah. His dad's like a teacher, and, and he's also into hats. So like they they have a bunch of hats at their house apparently. Um, That's great. And uh, actually, if you go into the Hall of Champs, which has all the backers in there, the car- the guy uh-huh. that has the the red glasses and the, and the hat that's that's the guy that created Mr. Hat. Um, that's fantastic. <laughs> and so yeah, he's in there. And um, Reese is actually a character that's been around longer than Valdez's story. Um, he was made by uh, a guy online who goes by Seizui, and he made mm-hmm. um, he made Reese a long time ago, and he's been in a bunch of stuff, but a bunch of like you know. Uh, commissioned artwork and stuff and so like they, yeah was, right. they, some of them have, have longer histories than others um, I don't think Phantom Striker is in anything either I think he's sort of new well maybe he'll be in things in the future <laughs> yeah maybe there's also the fifth <laughs> one those are the four uh, bosses the fifth one is, is the enemy the the liquid samurai guy in the last right. tower and that's that's the last enemy um, and that was the last director for a day contribution I like that one a lot I I, I really like those two, and it's for a sort of selfish reason because I really like cute things. And when they're when the liquid samurais are all like condensed to just their their head, yeah. they're so uh, like unusually cute because they're just kind of like blobbing around. They have like little eyes, and they're just chilling. And then you get up to them, and they like attack yeah, you, and yeah. you're all upset. I'm but like, from a distance, they're I'm pretty cute. Do a, um, a toy of them that's like the plush of the head, and then like you kind of like reach inside the head and pull out the body. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I want that. Yeah, that'd be really fun. <laughs> so, so, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think that's a good time to segue into. We actually have a bunch of questions from fans mm-hmm. on uh, on Twitter when we said that we were gonna be interviewing people from the Yacht Club. Great. Uh, so, do you want to take us away, George? Yeah. Um, a lot of people wanted to know why was Shovel Knight specifically a Shovel Knight? Why not a Rake Knight or a Squeegee Knight? <laughs> well, I guess that's that's sort of a new twist on that. It wasn't a sword because we wanted him to be able to dig through blocks and flip guys over. Uh-huh. And that was like sort of like the down the the downstab started the whole discussion about about the game itself. But why a shovel as opposed to like a rake? I mean, it, it came about because we were talking about the down thrust from Zelda Two, and that movement is very like you're bouncing on things, you're flipping things over, and mm-hmm. like you're stabbing their underbellies, um, and like that that movement of like you're digging through blocks, like that that kind of fit with what a shovel is, which is like something to dig, something that can be you know you can strike from above. I, I, if you imagine, um, you right. know, it's it's, a, it's not totally logical, but. Um, <laughs> it felt, it felt but, it but, but it's more logical than a rake or a squeegee. Yeah. <laughs> so he's actually the entire core of the game and the character and even the name of the game is there because of the level design features he wanted. Right, yeah, the gameplay. That's super cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah, <good>. That's great. <laughs> um, a lot of people also want to know, will there be more? Will there be DLC, sequels, add-ons, and expansion packs? People want more Shovel Knight. Will they have more Shovel Knight? They will. There's all kinds of stuff planned. We have um, uh, DLC that's free. You know, we ha- Because we were Kickstarter, we had uh, a bunch of stretch goals, and those are coming as major right. content packs for over the next year or so. So we're going to be working on the three playable boss nights um, mm-hmm. you're, you're, where you play as uh, Plague Knight, King Knight, or Spectre Knight. You're going to be able to play uh, a challenge mode that's sort of a, a it's a mode that's meant to challenge the player who's already gone through the game once 
Um, there's going to be a mode that's uh, gender swap mode where we um, change the art of, of all the main characters to be the opposite mm-hmm. gender that they are. And <laughs> wow. the idea there is that you can just choose whatever gender they are in, in a big list and possibly just hit So it'll randomize. be Mrs. Hat. That's great. <laughs> so that's, that's that. And then uh, there's also the big one, which is the four-player battle mode. And the battle mode is going to oh, be like a, oh, a couch competitive multiplayer game where it's all the main bosses and you even have a battle free for all. And that's that's mm-hmm. the idea at this point. That's oh my gosh, this it, game is just is that going to be? I have to I have to ask, is that going to be local multiplayer or not local? But I mean like like local area, like standing in the same area multiplayer on 3ds. <laughs> is that is there any plans no, for that? The the 3ds all multiplayer on the 3ds is net code, so it's just as complicated, you know, as as online right, multiplayer. Right. And so that's something that we didn't want to tackle. So any any console yeah. or, or platform that games on that has you know a TV screen, you'll be able to play as split screen multiplayer. Uh, okay. See, I, I just we had to ask screens. because uh, uh, what was it? Uh, One thousand one spikes didn't end up having yeah. multiplayer on the 3DS version, which kind of bummed me out because I did want to like that's like if I was going to play multiplayer anywhere, it would have been on the 3DS, know, you I know, think, running around. I with think one thousand one spikes would have been weird to have online multiplayer, especially without any like communication, because that's like any any time that you play thousand one spikes, you're just jiving your partner for screwing up. <laughs> like that's all it is. <laughs> so yeah, I. I don't know. I guess I, I had this expectation, kind of like um, like download play on the old right, DS, right. where one guy would have a game and you everybody download from him and you play like a watered down version of the yeah, game. Yeah, I, I more so that experience where everyone's like sitting around with their 3DSs as opposed to an online thing. But yeah, I can understand that it would be a much more difficult thing than just you know implementing it real quick. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Do we have any any dates or release windows yet for these new features? Nothing yet. Nothing to announce yet as of yet. But we are working on the scope today and. And we actually are talking about um, we're doing a design hangout, which was at the $75 backer and above for the Kickstarter. You got access to our special secret design meeting where we actually <laughs> talk about real content in the game. And we're going to have one of those today. Nice. So. <laughs> That's sweet. Um, so let's see. Speaking of content that may or may not be in the game, um, the, Mid- the Midgarian wants to ask how the finished product is different from ideas that you guys might have had in mind when starting the project. Well, the initial the initial core game is pretty much the same, but um, gameplay and designing a game and, and working on a game is all about iteration and changing and, and making the game different from what it was because what you thought it was is not going to be as fun as what it ends up being. So... Um, yeah, I would say it's it's different, but it's uh, it's different in just that it's become more polished. <laughs> right. like for the most part, the, there's there's pretty much nothing that was like totally scrapped and just started over. Um, yeah, that's that's. I would say that that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Tyler wants to know who is your favorite knight and why. Uh, for me, it's definitely Spectre Knight, and that was mostly because I animated him, and it was a lot of fun to do that. <laughs> he has a lot of clock when he takes really badass poses, and um, right. he's I don't know. And he's animated extremely well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Like that 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 death flash he does, where you <laughs> see his cloak rip off against a silhouette. I love that. <laughs> there there is there oh, is I something there's something great about how all the bosses like after you deal the final blow and it's the slow motion after it ends the slow motion they all just kind of like flop onto the <laughs> ground it's like a really satisfying like a uh, like an oh well, and, and it also throws you for a loop because um like in that uh that blog breaking the nes those things have more 
animations in them or more frames of animation yeah. than you would see in an NES game. Absolutely, yeah. right. And so, so after getting yourself used to this NES style, all of a sudden you have like this little this little treat that doesn't quite fit the theme, but in a way that makes it that much sweeter of a victory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot more frames for those animations. One of them, um, in particular, was Treasure Knights. He was originally supposed to. His helmet was supposed to fly off, and then out mm-hmm. from from below his helmet, you just when he hits the ground, a bunch, a bunch of coins spill out, and so the implication is oh, that wow. he's just a man full of coins, made of money. <laughs> um, but it looked a little deep. too dark. <laughs> it was like he lost his bed. Yeah, I was about to say, like, yeah. could you turn that into a plushie, decapitating the, <laughs> the greedy man with money inside? Uh, my favorite, my favorite animation, probably in the whole game, is uh, after King Knight slams on the ground. And uh, if you get stuck, if your shovel oh, gets yeah, stuck yeah. in the ground after that, King Knight's little strut that he does to walk up to you and hit you, <laughs> that is swagger. like the swaggiest NES <laughs> strut I've ever seen. It's so good. good. <laughs> um, okay, okay, one more. Amanda Flagg, who's actually involved with us here at TOBG. Yeah, one, one of our friends. Mm-hmm. She wants to know why a triple, if I'm pronouncing that right, triple, triple, the triple. The trout apple. That's like, that's where he kind of comes from. He's like a, he's half trout, half apple. He's a fish. How, how does that even forest. happen? That was that was sort of a silly joke because it started from um, I think that was Aaron and Sean. They saw like this uh, this trout on an apple crate box that was like and it just like didn't make sense. And so they were just like talking about how that could like what could that be? And so that became this like drawing, and then that drawing became like this really like you know this in joke that just kept like wouldn't die <laughs> oh my but it gosh became, like even bigger and then like the dance number happened and david did that and so um throughout the whole course of the project the travel king was sort of this like how can we fit him into the game <laughs> oh <laughs> gosh it was just like your mission to have a weird inside joke <laughs> in <much>. there <laughs> and now 170,000 people <laughs> Aren't gonna know what the hell the subject is to having to watch two minutes of his dance. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh yeah, that's right in the dance. I love that there's several moments in the game where talking to someone leads to an unskippable dance that you just have to watch. Yeah, okay, okay. It was was charming both times. I loved it both times. It was great. Yeah. I said I said um that was the last question, but actually that just I have to ask, what was what was the intention behind the unskippable dances? (laughs) To make the player just have to enjoy um, a couple minutes <laughs> Enjoy. of just a dance. <laughs> Fantastic. That was sort of the, yeah, the, it's, it's definitely like messing and trolling with the player, but um, in, the, mm. in the most fun way, in a way that they can kind of dance along to. And that's why there's the down button too, so you can dance along with the... Yes. Oh my god, really? Yeah. <laughs> I I love that. I've... Uh, it's it's such a weird thing. I didn't know about this. You press, you press you, down. Yeah, it's like a crouch, but it's not a crouch. <laughs> Holy you shit! Just I have crouch. to play through Shovel Knight again. <laughs> you just crouch one pixel, and every time I'm waiting for something in the game, I always do like a little like Shovel Knight oh, tea bag thing oh. to wait. <laughs> so so, yeah. so wait, you can't crouch during these dances. You can crouch anytime. No, you can. Oh, yeah, it's. <laughs> It's great. I completely forgot about that until just now. A lot of my footage from my video, I like passed me, gave my like future me a nod when I like beat an enemy in a really cool way, and then like the enemy dies, and then I just like do like a quick like three crouch. And it's like me for playing the game in the past, being like, yeah, we did this. Yeah, that video is great. I really enjoyed watching it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you guys you guys saw it like two minutes after I posted it, which was crazy. Yeah. Which is- <laughs> 
They must have the Google alerts on for, for Shovel Knight. I think David does, yeah. Oh, wow. That's, right. uh, well, yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you. I think um, you have to be on your way for something now, yeah, but we yeah. really appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, of that was, and I know our, I know everyone listening is going to enjoy that a lot. Yeah, that was glad. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like so, I said, uh, it's our new favorite game. <laughs> That's <laughs> Definitely, awesome. easily. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. If for anybody who has forgotten since the start of the podcast, this is the voice of Nick Wozniak, aka Woz, and uh, he was a pixel artist on Shovel yeah. Knight, which is a great game. <laughs> All right. Um, um, have a good day. Great. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sign off now. Guys, thank you so much for having us on. See you later. For uh, you know, supporting the game and loving it so much. <laughs> it's hard not to, really. Mm -hmm. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Have All a good right, day. Bye. You. Bye. Thank you guys for listening to this special TOVG podcast interview with Nick Wozniak of Yacht Club Games. If you want to follow Nick, you can find him at N-O-R-K-W-O-Z on Twitter. That's NorkWoz on Twitter. Uh, go, you know, hit him up, send him your love, tell him how much you like Shovel Knight, because I know you like Shovel Knight, because we, we all, all did. We all love Shovel Knight. <laughs> yes. In the meantime, keep an eye on Yacht Club Games. These... Um awesome x way forward people are making some seriously quality stuff and i can't wait to see what they have out next but until then they're going to be adding the multiplayer feature and the the boss mode and the competitive mode to um shovel knight and i'm going to yeah. replay it for it how about you jimmy i'm i'm <laughs> gonna be replaying it anyway like also, just because the just, game's just, awesome just to put more of an active effort into dancing during the unskippable songs <laughs> yeah you gotta get on that man that crouch dancing is so good yeah, because I remember when I started it up, like, I could crouch, and I was like, wow, this crouch is useless. Yeah, it's and, it's just for fun. Yeah, and, and later on, I was I was coming to those dances, and I was like, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> but um, um, now I know it was, in fact, a deliberate attempt to troll the player, but they right. did let you dance. So, yeah, be a little give and take. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, anyway... For any of you who are thatonevideogamer.com frequenters, you will have known that the site has been down for a while because of, you know, some security issues that we had. And I just want to update you all that we are actually making some real progress on getting it back online. We are aiming within the next couple weeks, about, you know, 10 to 15 days is the estimate because we have to, we are, <laughs> excuse me, we are rebuilding the site to be more secure so that this obviously doesn't happen in the future. And uh, after that happens, we will have the podcast going up on the site again. We'll have video content going up on the site again. Everything will be fixed. And we thank you for being so patient with us through all that. <laughs> yes. And thanks for listening in the meantime. I know it's weird following these Libsyn and iTunes links, but we're still like having people listen to us and talk about us, <laughs> which is super duper neato. Yeah. Just so you know, I do, I do frequent the, uh, the TOVG podcast forum and I do read what you guys have to say. Even when I'm not replying in there, I do try and reply sometimes, but I just like to let the conversation go and see what people have to say. So keep uh, keep making topics in keep there because I do read them. Keep it up, ladies and gentlemen. And in the meantime, have a good week. Yeah, we'll we see you next see time. We will see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Bye.